Voice of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Here in the virtual Green Dragon Tavern, it is Thursday night, and you know what that means. Drinks are you call it. Gather round the goons. We are on the air. It is Sons of Liberty Live here on the Christmas edition. A very merry Elgap Christmas. And of course, that was uh, a title that was sent over to me by Johnny Paratrooper just a few minutes ago, and I thought it was great. Uh, that was absolute genius for tonight, uh, for this episode. So, uh, of course, we're going to be having our on-the-air Christmas party, having a heck of a good time, enjoying that, cheer one another kind of freeform. We'll be talking about a little bit of uh, news and, and what have you, whatever uh, goes with it, but, you know, as, as all of you know, uh, really the, the rules are, there are no rules in here and we're just here to have a damn good time. And, and I want to add that by the stats, uh, by the stats, this, this podcast, so Radio Contra, in case anybody doesn't know, we, uh, got censored, uh, the day before the election. Um, and for anybody that's listening to this, that maybe is on, you know, the left side of the spectrum or you know, just wants to be that contrarian and not believe it. Hey, look, I've got the receipts. Okay, I've got screenshots. Radio Contra was consistently ranked number one. Okay, we were consistently ranked number one in news commentary. You can go back, you can listen to the uh, older podcast from just a few months ago, and we were up there, all right? And then all of a sudden, the day before the election, bam, all of the conservative shows just magically disappeared, right? They just magically disappeared. Now, some of them, the big names, the names that you know, the uh, the Milk Toast guys, the Glenn Banks, the Mike Levins, the Shine Hannity's, uh, that crowd, of course, they all came back. But a lot of the underground guys, the guys that, that are real, and so, some of the ones in this community uh, that I think a, a heck of a lot of, I think they're, they're doing a wonderful job, guys like Stu Peters. Uh, guys like uh, Red Pill 78, um, who, you know, I haven't had any personal interaction with, but I'm a huge fan of his work. Uh, Jorge Morvik over at uh, TNT Radio, you know, they came back, but they're, they're way, way down in the rankings, right? 
But all of these, all of these uh, podcasters, all of these independent voices out there have been doing one hell of a job. And, you know, I warned that in the wake of Twitter and all the chaos of Twitter, and there's a lot more to come out of that story. Uh, stuff that I've been telling you, you know, long-term listeners of mine, long-term readers going all the way back to 2015, you know, you guys know what I've been saying consistently over the years about social media. And here it is. It's, it's, it's all being proven true um, to the public eye. Now, you know, I told you all this. It was great consternation uh, among a lot of people. I had a lot of... Uh, uh, we'll be nice on this show. I haven't drank enough yet, but we'll be nice and say, you know, we had a lot of the the older Patriot crowd out there that was, well, how are we going to network? How are we if we don't use the such? Well, you know, hey, you know, I told you what was going to happen. I told you that all these things were going to were uh, going to pass, that these were the things that, that were being weaponized and used against you. And lo and behold, I've been right. Okay, this isn't me tooting my own horn. This is just me telling you that I saw it from the other side of the curtain. Several other guys that are, that are on this podcast saw it from the other side of the curtain and we're telling you now, right? And so Podbean as a podcasting uh, hosting platform. I mean, Spotify, they are what they are, right? You know, uh, Blogspot, that's owned by Google. So, you know, whatever. You just throw that one out there. Uh, YouTube, who cares about YouTube? Um, you know, I, I've got some news about YouTube that, that I'm, I'm not ready to make the announcement yet. Uh, but we're, I'm, I'm going to be talking about it uh, in, in the coming weeks. Uh, there, there's going to be some things with YouTube. There's going to be some stuff with Rumble. But, uh, you know, who, who cares? But Podbean at least had that objectivity to it. And so it's very disappointing. It's not uh, surprising. I'm not going to say that it's surprising, but it is disappointing. But even with that said, even with that said, so with the, with the blackout, with being blacklisted, being shadow banned, right? You know, spiking up to 10,000 followers and then all of a sudden, oh, the show's gone. Right. We, we pick up a few new followers here and there, but you can't find it. Right. You have to actually be looking for it. And that's fine. And that's that's why I've been diversifying our avenues of approach. That's why I've been diversifying, getting out there and getting the word out on as many different platforms as possible. Right. And so uh, when when you look at it from that perspective, we're bringing a lot of people in. And because of that, proof positive that because of that last Thursday, after this show, it went up on Friday. There was uh, some problems downloading the show. Uh, Podbean wasn't cooperating. I don't know what was going on. The stars weren't properly aligned. Who, who knows? Who cares? Right. But I got it downloaded, got it re-uploaded. And by that afternoon, we were number three, right? We were trending number three in the searches on Podbean. And again, I've, I've got the receipts. I've got the screenshots. It's there, right? That's a fact, right? We were right behind the Jim Cornette experience. Okay, so anybody that, that knows, uh, you know, a little bit about pro wrestling, uh, Jim Cornette, um, you know, pretty pretty famous uh, guy, face, name in, in pro wrestling, and he's got a podcast that apparently is pretty popular, right? We're right behind that. So even though we're not ranked, right, and they're, they're putting up people like, uh, you know, in the rankings, they are, they are artificially promoting – um, people like Michael Moore, who 
after the election, right? So we're, we're a good ways away from the election now. We're coming up on the new year. Michael Moore's podcast has 17 followers. 17 followers. Okay, just think about that. 17 followers. This podcast has how many? And in less than 24 hours. So the last podcast I did with, with Risky Krisky, right? Had Risky Krisky on. Had, we had a heck of a lot of fun. We talked and drank beer for, you know, two and a half hours before we recorded the podcast. And uh, there's a few of you out there that knew it too because uh, a couple of you emailed me and said, man, you, you guys really had a good job, didn't you? That's, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we did. Um you know, we, we, we got to telling stories about Fort Bragg and, and uh, we, we uh, Mott Lake in particular. We, we were having a good time. But um, with that said, though, that podcast got almost 2,000 downloads in a 24-hour period. 2,000 downloads. And so how in the hell can a podcast – and, and if, if you look up the stats for average podcasts – the average podcast episode of, of any podcast, you just pick a random one out there. None of the big names, you know, none of you Joe Rogans or, you know, none, none of your guys who, who have promoted content out there and all of that. But I'm talking about just your, your average run of the mill, you know, what whatever Joe Blow thinks about the world podcast, right? He's lucky to get 2,000 downloads in a month. All right, much less in a year, right? But when you're talking about in in a, a short, very very short amount of time, you know, 24 hour period, getting 2,000 downloads puts you up in in the top tier of podcasts based on the statistics, right? Just based on the statistics, and and these stats are out there; they're available to anybody. Look them up. You know, so for them to, to blacklist us, I look at it like, I, you know, I could get upset about it, but what are you going to do? Right. What am I going to do? What am I going to go to another platform where I'm going to get shadow banned over there where I lose all the followers here? You know, what, what are you, you going to do? Um, but what I can do, there's not a lot that I can I can do other than point it out and use this as a moment to say that this is a badge of honor for this audience. It's a badge of honor for this podcast. It's a badge of honor for the team at American Partisan. It's a badge of honor for all the guests that we have on this podcast. Because all together, that's a validation. If they're trying to censor you, they're trying to shut you down, that's a validation. And yeah, we're on the right. We have every right to our opinions. And I wouldn't say that anything that, that is in this podcast is necessarily extreme, but we damn sure are going to be questioning the status quo and absolutely in the vein of our founding fathers. So when they're trying to shut us down, when they're trying to censor us, when they're trying uh, in earnest to shut us down, demoralize us, all the things, right? That's a badge of honor. I'm glad that I am over the target. It means that I'm doing my job. It means that you're doing your jobs. And look at the left. Look at them. They promote people like Michael Moore. He's one of the most infamous names on the hard left, and he can't get more than 17 followers. So what does that tell us? It tells us that the left in America is nowhere near as strong as what they want you to believe. It tells you that the support for the militant left in America is nowhere near 
the level that they pretend that it is. On the other hand, it's us. We're the grassroots. We're the populace in America. It's us. And so going into 2023, and this isn't the last podcast of the year, by the way. So, you know, but I just want to say it now, get it off my chest. Going into 2023, I'm making good on that. You know, 2022 has been one hell of a great year in terms of what we all together have accomplished. But it pales in comparison to what we're going to do in 2023. Because I've got, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. I'm working on another book right now. Uh, got got number two well underway right now. And I'm rubbing my hands. About to take a sip of my beer. I'm real, real excited about this second book. Uh, because this one, this one's going to be a real important one. The Balfang book kicked the door in. That, that, that was important to get that out there. But this next book... This one's going to be a game changer for a lot of people. I think, I think, I hope I am writing it with that hope in mind. And of course I have other books behind that. Um, the HF book, a lot of people are asking about a book specifically on HF and that will be coming. Uh, that absolutely will be coming. That is third in the shoot, but there's one that I feel is even more important to, uh, to put to paper and to get into your hands. And uh, there will be a Kindle version of that one as well. Uh, the Balfang book's got some challenges with Kindle um, that, that I'm not going to really dive into in this episode. There's some formatting issues that makes it pretty much unusable in the format that it is. You, you can you can read the content, but some of the, the, uh, the tables, uh, everybody that has the book out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, the, the code tables and, and, uh, some of the, the critical takeaways from the book are almost unusable. And I, if, if something is not a hundred percent, I'm not going to put it out. Uh, so, you know, for, for the Kindle version of the Balfang book, I, I don't see it because the software is just not cooperating with me. It, it, it wasn't written really for, uh, an electronic format anyway. It was, it was written for, for, uh, ink and paper. Uh, so, you know, that is what it is. So if you want the book, get it a whole hell of a lot of people do want that book though. That thing is taken off like leaps and bounds. Uh, I never, I never, ever, ever in a million years imagined that, uh, that, that as many copies of this book would have sold. Uh, as it has, but it, it has, it's, it's still an Amazon number one bestseller. It is still ranked number one in radio communication. It's still ranked number one in radio operation. It is ranked number 49 in all books of education. And it is ranked, uh, the last time I checked it today it was 2,400 and something of all books on Amazon. Uh, so that's, that's something. Uh, that is something and, and still, uh, going strong after three weeks. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's huge folks. So can't thank you enough. But with that said, mouth's getting a little dry. It's time to put beer in there. It's Christmas cheer tonight. I am sipping a couple Stiltskin, which is, uh, a Lowe's foods, which is a, a local uh, grocery store here that has a lot of craft beers and stuff. It's a South German style Hefeweizen ale. Uh, so a little bit of Yuletide. And uh, after that, 
I'm going to be sipping on a Raven, which is a Marzen style lager. And it's got a, uh, it's got a bear on there with a, a, a really neat, uh, rack on top, kind of like a Wendigo, uh, you know, a little shout out to Clay Martin and his book over there, Wrath of the Wendigo. So, uh, you know, again, if you don't have a copy of that, that needs to be a stocking stuffer too, because you want to talk about a great book, a great tale and a great storyteller and all around great guy who I'm going to have on a podcast again, uh, very, very soon in the near future. We were talking about that a uh, little back and forth on Twitter. Anyhow, with that said, first in the shoot, Madman Actual. What's up, brother? Howdy ho, gentlemen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> That's good, yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. So how's well, life, man? You know, this has been a really good week, actually. Well, it was a great week, actually, uh... One of my old neighbors uh, passed away the other day, RIP. Uh, she was a very sweet old lady. But, uh, you know, health problems, sickness, it uh, kind of catches up with everybody. Uh, yeah. But other than that, man, it's uh, it's been a productive week. You know, I uh, got a lot done this week and hooked a buddy up with some jobs. And the next year is looking good. It's looking good. like a good year for the madman. Good. So I'm ex- I'm pumped up. I'm actually typing up a little uh a little thing that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's oh, you know ah. the hell with it? Let's go on and let the cat out of the bag. What we've been working on. <clears throat> uh well, your second book. <laughs> so that but the the class yeah i mean oh yeah 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 so we uh we got some equipment coming uh that's really going to spice up the sigint class or the uh the sigint exploitation class oh yeah got a couple uh couple devices for for spectrum analyzing and we got some uh some other toys that i mean I'll let you let that cat out of the bag. That was your idea. So the the name of the game is exploiting and dominating the RF spectrum on the battlefield. And that's, that's in all areas, you know, to include drones. And, and this is, this is something that is, uh, it's really cutting edge as far as, uh, you know, the, the, it doesn't matter where, you know, whether you're in in the dot mill world, you know, you're from the dot mill world, but no longer a part of it, you know, as, as we are, um, you know, partisans, whoever, right. They, there's a lot of interest right now, as there should be the, the cutting edge on the battlefield. And this is something I talked about uh, last night. I was on with uh, the Privy Council, which is uh, Colonel Mike Bennett and uh, the Virginia gentleman and Joe Dolio. And, um, you know, we, we were having a, a rather interesting discussion uh, yesterday evening and it was uh, over on the rumble, but it, uh, we, we were talking about the advent of technology and that um, one of the generals, I don't remember, I think it was uh, McInerney maybe, uh, or maybe McCaffrey, 
I don't, I don't remember. I, I'll have to go back and, and relist this show. But uh, uh, basically he was saying that, that the, uh, the winner of the next conflict is going to be the one with the highest technology and has, has been able to uh, outspend. Basically, it's this Cold War idea that, you know, the, the more uh, high technology you can pump into weapon systems, the more uh, dominant on the battlefield you're going to be. And I disagree completely with that. Uh, absolutely, 100% top to bottom cannot agree with that statement because first of all a general officer is is saying and he's getting kickbacks from raytheon and general dynamics and you know all, all the companies right the military industrial complex but the other thing is is that and speaking specifically to ukraine ukraine is a interesting lesson just as world war one was and really the the spanish-american war before world war one um was kind of a precursor to that. Uh, World War One was was a Napoleonic war that was being fought with airplanes, tanks, and machine guns, and mustard gas, uh, and and weaponized chlorine. You know, it, it, the 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 tactics were outdated for the technology, and and nobody knew how to integrate the technology at the tactical level, right? And so then the Spanish Civil War came around, where it was the next big war after World War One, And so it was a testing ground of what did we learn from the advent of all this new technology? How, how do we use it and, and utilize all this? So, you know, a lot of people are saying that Ukraine, I, I've made this statement too, and, and it's not completely incorrect uh, to say that Ukraine is, is very similar to the Spanish Civil War in a lot of ways. And that we are testing a lot of equipment and a lot of uh, techniques on the ground, but it remains true that the technology has evolved past our tactical capability to implement it. And we don't necessarily understand that that's true as much for the Russians as it is for us, because, you know, I, I really don't think there is any Ukraine at this point. It, it's us, uh, you know, as, as we saw with a shameful display in, in DC. Um, but anyhow, more on that in a bit point is, is that the inexpensive technology that's being fielded right now, the cheap technology, the bargain basement level technology is actually what's making the big difference, right? That is leading the way on innovation at the small unit level. It's the implementation of Starlink for the streamlining of intelligence data, right? It is the use of spectrum analyzers. It's the use of communications, uh, you know, and, and new methods of communications. I speak a little bit about this in, in the Baofeng book, um, you know, so it, it's important to understand and wrap your mind around all those lessons and remain on the cutting edge. And that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, that is exactly what we're doing. So, you know, in, in 2023, starting in January, we're going to have another tactical signals exploitation course um, towards the end of the month. Of course, I have uh, the RTO course, advanced RTO course and signals intelligence course going into uh, the last week of January going into February. So that weekend prior, we'll be doing a, another tactical signals exploitation course with Madman Actual. So I'm going to be on site. We're going to have a heck of a good time and you're going to learn some of those techniques. 
And, um, you know, you're, you're going to, again, it's like every other class you come in, you don't need anything, but whatever equipment you do bring, you're going to be using, but we, we are going to be getting hands on with all of our equipment, um, and, and utilizing it in the field for, um, you know, capturing those signals, mapping the, the entire spectrum and learning how to exploit it. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's really, you know, weapons and, and weapon evolution, small arms, learning how to shoot all that stuff, right. That, that's all really important, but you, you, you end up at a finite point, right. Of, of competence there. It, and that's just, you know, you, you can only run through the same drills so many times. You can only run through the same scenarios so many times before you need to begin to look at other things, the, the battlefield enablers which are really far and away more important as far as driving your, your, your forces, driving that tip of the spear to the fight. You know, you, you have to be able to do that. So from a preparedness context, um, you know, it's learn how to do things the proper way. There's a lot of people who are out there talking quote unquote intelligence. They're using buzzwords they're using a lot of terms that I don't even think they know what they're talking about, right? You know, hey, that's all good and well. If you get something from that stuff, cool. But come learn from the guys that know what they're doing, all right? Plain and simple. You know, we, we, we've done this. We've done it a lot. We're not here to sell you anything other than skills, right? But anyway, with that said, does that sound good? Yeah, I mean, that pretty much sums it up. Uh especially with the buzzwords, man, like you have so many guys that get on the internet and yeah, they just, they just hit the buzzwords like they're, uh, but that's what they're used to doing, right? They're used to talking to these uh, field grade and higher officers. And that's all the officers understand is the buzzwords. You know, you talk about uh, if you say the, the acronym F3 EAD, all the officers' ears perk up. They're like, oh, oh, our PowerPoint worked. Like, they remember that. And, like, that's <laughs> what the officer's thinking. They're not, they don't care what you're saying. They just right. like the fact that you said the right word because they, um, they know what that means. Everything that follows, you totally lose them. Um, the technical talk, they don't get. And when you go from the military as a lower enlisted where you are the subject matter expert in the intelligence community, like the specialists, the E4s, uh, E5s too, to a degree. Um, so like your, your sergeants and below are the actual subject matter experts, right? Those are the guys actually doing the work. They, we go to these courses, we study this stuff all day, every day. And that's what we do. Um, in Garrison, we're always on mission. Well, not all of us, but the guys that have in garrison missions we're on shift work you know 12 hour shifts or, or like myself i was an instructor you know i had a five-week course two weeks in between i you know me and a couple other guys added like two weeks to the curriculum uh with two weeks in between a seven-week course so you're talking 16 hour days of teaching people granted that was a lot of database stuff and you know stuff that doesn't apply to uh citizens and partisans but when you get out in the civilian world, you're like, oh man, I can make a killing. Cause like these guys don't know 
anything. So I could just say all these buzzwords and, and turn everybody on <laughs> and they'll, and they'll throw dollar bills at me and they're, they're strippers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, they do the twirls and they do the twists and they say the right, you know, they whisper sweet nothings in your ear and they expect you to throw dollar bills at them. Um, there's plenty of them out there. So yeah, the whole goal of this course is to really give, uh, everybody first off, um, more tools, right? So we're not saying you need the $400 spectrum analyzer. We're saying that you need to take the concepts and apply them to your region and your, uh, priority intelligence requirements, your PIRs. And that's something actually was one of my improves when we went over the AAR in the first, uh, signet signet exploitation class was, um, like, Hey man, you know, we really need to like go over how we use this stuff, which was my bad. You know, I got nervous, but, um, that's something I'm going to start incorporating is like, Hey, you know, you need to regiment this stuff and you need to come up with a list of requirements that you need for your area that you're going to be in. So you probably your County, you know, in the class I brought up that, uh, when I visited VMI, Virginia military Institute, um, yeah. I went to the chapel where Robert E. Lee's uh, buried and they actually had his office mostly intact. And when I w went in there, Grant, obviously this post American civil war, he had a map of his entire County on the wall. And it's like, that's a smart guy. Cause he knew that, you know, you need to know your local region. And he had a topographic right. map of his County that he was in. And, uh, that's the kind of localization you need to focus on um, your state to a degree, depending on your state size, right? Like um, Pennsylvania is humongous. Maryland is pretty big, but small enough to focus on a good portion of it. Texas is like, all right, you know, you're, you're driving two hours to get anywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. You are. So like, yeah, oh, we're put, going put to the it, grocery store. It's like an hour long trip to get there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even Fort hood, it took 45 minutes to get from one end to the other, um, yeah. from like Copper's Cove to Harker Heights. It, it was like a solid 30 minute yep. drive. Um, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I want to show everybody is like, you, you don't have to, you don't, one, you don't have to know everything. Uh, two, a lot of this is cons is conceptual and a lot of it Unfortunately, it really is Met TC dependent, which is based off of your location, what your mission is, what you plan to do, what you're capable of for one, right? If you're an older guy with bad knees, um, you're probably not going to be a ground pounder. So like maybe you should uh, be the strategy guy and maybe you should be in the talk tactical operations center. You shouldn't be in the listening post observation post, leave that to the younger guys um, that you train. Right. And cause that's what I want. I want you guys to be familiar enough with this stuff to be able to go on and, and train the younger generation that you, uh, that you have stewardship over. So your, your kids, your grandkids, if you're that old, um, and if they're on board, a lot of grandkids these days probably aren't, uh, thinking about this kind of stuff, but 
that's the main goal, right? Is, is to just give you guys different technologies to be familiar with and different tools. And you really got to think outside the box. And if you have the budget, sure. Um, the more high dollar equipment is obviously going to work better, but you don't necessarily need it to be effective. Um, right. Like, you know, the, the basic SIGINT course that Scout you teach is perfectly acceptable technology level. Um, yep. A two-way radio and a directional antenna. Um, that's all you need. Everything else is an enabler. Because um, SIGINT is a lot like long-range shooting. You know, your radio, think of your antenna as your scope and think of your radio as your rifle, right? You can have a better rifle with a better barrel, um, but you need a finely tuned antenna to see and receive that far. It's like your scope. You know, if you have a, a one by six LPVO, you're, you're going to be able to see pretty good, but you ain't shooting a thousand yards with it. You know, you need like a 25. So same kind of concepts, you know, there's parallels to everything, but that's a lot of the stuff we talk about in the class. Um, so yeah, without further ado, uh, Let's intro everybody else. We've been Let's talking show. for like 30 minutes. <laughs> like 30 minutes sh- now. <sighs> I'm out of breath, man. I, I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Magmatic. What's up, brother? Magmatic, are you there? Oh, I was still muted. Sorry. Oh, there you are. Uh, I apologize if there's some background noise. I'm uh, once again at work trying to fix something. No. Tell him to stop breaking stuff. <laughs> I wish. Oh, I wish it were that simple. I mean, you know, I'll just tell him, hey, quit breaking stuff. <laughs> Ask water to not be wet. <laughs> yeah. Water, quit being so wet. I come over there with a sponge. I am uh, definitely, uh, definitely excited for the uh, that SIGINT course. For tactical signals, that stuff yeah. is. Uh, I, I briefly was was there for a little bit of the first one, and it was. I was like, "Wow, holy shit!" Uh, okay, the master class. Oh yeah, uh, master. So I'm definitely going to be at the uh, the January RTO series, and I might see if I can't squeeze in to that uh, that next class as well. Oh, we are we are going to burn it down, dude. Oh yeah. We are going to burn it down. Um, Cause for me to get into some of the, the telemedicine stuff I want to start messing with, I need to, uh, I need to learn a little bit more about radios. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It, it's well, you know, and, and since we're talking about 2023 and, and kind of projecting forward, you know what? What you got on tap as far as uh, courses was? Uh, just the usual uh, PLS, partisan lifesaver, uh, TC3 course, all that normal stuff. And then uh, new for next year is going to be the uh, Gorilla Clinic Foundations. Um, I'm super excited for that. Uh, it's been a long oh, time coming. Yes. Um, Me too. Kind of, kind of branching away oh, from the uh, the trauma stuff and getting into. Uh, the more realistic stuff you're actually going to see most in that type of, uh, in any sort of austere, uh, gorilla sort of situation. Yes. I'm really, really looking forward to this course. 
Yeah. Because, you know, you, I know, I happen to know uh, some of the other uh, minds that are getting <laughs> input on this course. And, and I know uh, when, when all of you, all of your capabilities coming together, uh, man, man, I am excited. I, uh, ooh, I just, it's going to be some good stuff, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've had some really good discussions um, in the online sphere um, during the, the online class that I did. We've had some really good discussions about stuff, and I'm, I'm so excited and so looking forward to it. It's it's going to be good. We're doing some uh, some offline. We're doing uh, him and I are doing some some stuff, uh, trying to continue our our learning through some of this um, potentially. Yeah, some stuff with Soma, uh, the Special Operations Medical Association. For those of you that know what yeah. that is, um, going to be going out there and checking some of that stuff out, just to kind of keep that that learning going. Because um, just because you're teaching stuff doesn't mean you don't need to be learning stuff. Exactly. Well, you know, that was what somebody put up earlier today. They, there was some dumb, uh, you know, one of those what the fuck videos where there was some some jackass was teaching some John Wick looking bullshit oh, handgun geez. crap. Right. I, I don't even know what this thing is. Like, I don't know. This I guess they were calling it like center axis shooting or something. I don't center know. Oh, God. Relock. It's nonsense. It's yeah. the John Wick shit. Yeah, and it's it. Say, I, I don't know, man. It 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 defies it defies everything that that yeah. you would do. Any professional instructor uh, who, who's actually been in a fight. It doesn't matter, like law enforcement context, military context, you know, civilian that's been a CCW and you know got held up in a robbery or something. Doesn't matter. You know that crap is bullshit, all right? That it, full stop. So anyway, but point—that's not the point. Point is, is um, you know the the conversation that was going on around it was that the second, as an instructor, the second that you stop learning as an instructor and that you're you're no longer willing to learn, that's when you're you're becoming toxic to everybody. Yep. And that's, you know, man, like when, when I got into the training community and it, it was totally, totally accidental, like, you know, you guys know the deal with me and, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't turn any of this stuff into a business. Like it, it wasn't on purpose, um, but it, it just ended up that way by, by God's providence, you know? And, um, but when I started doing this and, and, you know, we'd have AARs for the, the courses and, you know, I'd have all these guys that have trained with like literally everybody that, that were coming out to class and, um, you know, or, or getting me to run private classes for them. And they were just like, you know, you're, you're, you're real humble. And they would keep saying that. And it's like, it, it, it kind of blew my mind because I looked at it like, man, you guys hired me to do a job to teach you something. And so it would be very, very unprofessional of me to approach all of you as if like I'm better than you or, you know, it, it just doesn't, that never made sense to me. Um, still doesn't make sense to me why this, this sort of idea exists that, you know, it, and, and there's some, there's some arrogant people out there. Um, there's some arrogant people out there. 
uh, Andrew Ball eighty five. That's uh, that's actually some uh, industrial noise coming from Megmatic. You're asking what was that in the background? That's coming from him. But um, anyhow, uh, but with with arrogant folks, I mean, stay humble. You know, stay humble and and be willing to learn and don't get so married to one technique that you're not willing to see its fallacies. Because when that happens, and that happens a lot, apparently, in the training community, like the longer I go, I see all that. Um, you know, it, it's it creates things like what what was in that video where it's just like this. This is bad. This this stuff is really, really bad. Um, this is creating all sorts of, of really bad training scars. It's going to get people killed. Um, you know, you, you, every, every round that's discharged from your weapon has a name on it. You don't necessarily know what that name is or who that person is, but that has a name on it, you know, and, and, and in, in every environment that, that we are in, you know, regardless of, of, you know, whatever corner of the world you find yourself, you know, whether you're, you're pretending you're Jason Bourne or something, or, or, you know, you're, you're just living your day-to-day life like, like the rest of us do. Right. You, there are people that are not engaged in that fight everywhere we go. Okay. So, so get out of your fantasy world thinking that, you know, the world is devoid of, uh, of other people because they're all out there, right? There's kids, you know, kids, that's the biggest tragedy in the world is is when kids get shot you know and and, and it doesn't matter whether it's a defensive encounter and you are 100 justified or not you pull some shit like what was in that video you're gonna fry for that period period doesn't matter whether you were in the right or, or what so you know but anyway i i digress i'm um ranting here because it, it was very very disturbing to me to see that um, but you, you're exactly right. And, and, you know, we, as instructors, like we're, we're students too, we're learning too. And, you know, more often than not, I'll always, especially like in, in combo classes, man, I'll get guys in class that are, that are coming out who are, are way smarter than I am, you know, electrical engineers and physicists and dudes that have been doing this stuff for, you know, they forgot more about communications than I'm ever going to know you know, but they're still coming to class. They're still learning and I'm learning from them, you know, and, and have a hell of a lot of respect and it, it stays humble. Um, the attitudes stay humble and, and, you know, so that's a big deal with me. Um, that's a big deal with me. And, and, you know, magnetic brother, you, you know, you, you pointing that out. It's, you know, that's the attitude that you get. That's the attitude you get when you come to the right training environment. you there yeah sorry I, I muted myself to get rid of that that background oh. noise when i wasn't talking um oh, it's all good brother no yeah it's it's i yeah I, i've seen it not so much i've really done too much in the, the training side um like taking too many like courses like that but i i saw it in the army i saw it in marine corps um i've seen it civilian oh. side where dudes are just you know they're convinced that they've learned everything there is. And if you say something that's outside of what their, their little notebook that somebody else gave them, they're just like, what do you mean? That's, that's not, this is what the book says. It's like, okay, but I'm telling you like from someone that's doing this in the real world, it's, it's not like that. Well, it doesn't matter. This is what the book says. And you're just like, Oh, 
okay, we're, we're playing this game. <laughs> All right. And then you just disassociate for the rest of the class, and you pay attention enough to get the cert to, to move on with your life. But it's just, you just feel like it's wasted time. And I've always hated that. And uh, that was something I've, I've always tried to, to take something from somebody. It doesn't have to be positive, but sometimes you can take, like, I definitely don't want to be like that guy ever. Um, and, and everybody is at one point in time had an instructor. They were like, yeah, I'm never doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling, man. I know that feeling. But it sounds like the transporter uh, behind you, uh, down in the transporter <laughs> bay too, is, um, has got a lot of activity going on. So we're going to move down the list. The man, the myth, the legend himself coming in on his first episode of Sons of Liberty. You know him as the author of the best-selling series, Tactical Wisdom, Mr. Joe Dolio. What is up? Greetings and salutations and all that stuff. Um, I have not died, so I think I'm going to have a family on this illness. So uh, we shall see. We shall see. Glad to be here. Yeah, brother. You, your volume is a little bit low. A little bit well, low. I'm on my headphones, and um, ah, ah, it feels like I'm talking through a tin can anyway. So yeah, best I got. So last night, I didn't want to say anything, but last night you sounded horrible. Like you were on death's door. I honestly didn't know if I was going to make it through the night, man. Seriously, legit, it was bad. But uh, you I sound better up, tonight, though. Yeah, I woke up feeling about 10 times better and I'm still stuffed up and, and sick. But man, all day yesterday, I literally was like, I'm fit to die, bro. <laughs> I saw that from you. I saw it messages. Oh, G man. Was less than sympathetic. I don't know why. She going to get it, too. Well, see, that's it. She, she going to get it, too. If she gets it over Christmas. I am going to die. Man, so when I came back from Texas, like I've I've literally been sick like every other week. It seems like with just like th this year, man, it was uh like I had COVID early in the year. I had COVID. Okay, you know, like whatever, man. Like they all the fear porn about COVID, whatever. Wasn't it wasn't that bad? It was you know it was a chest cold. Okay, it was a chest cold with a headache. Had like uh, the arthritis. The arthritis from it was pretty rough though. I will say that. Um, that that was pretty bad. But uh, had had COVID like it came it went whatever. Um, not not a big deal. Uh, you know then then got a pretty nasty cold uh right after that so like colds in the summertime are pretty crummy you know like you, you don't want to get a cold in the summertime so go on vacation right go on the big family vacation so i'm gone for a week and lo and behold i come down with hand foot and mouth like kids got hand foot and mouth i get hand foot and mouth like i'm still dealing with the ramifications that like my fingernails the, the last of them are coming off right now um, you know, but that, that was all the way back in August. 
That was horrible. Hand, foot, and mouth as an adult. In the kids, it's kind of like the flu. You know, like it's it's the flu with with some bumps on their hands and stuff, and like they got some skin peeling, and you know they don't want to eat because their throat's raw and tongue swells up and all that. But man, I'm gonna tell you, as an adult, that was bad. That was that was absolute hell. Um, that wasn't the worst illness I've had as an adult. The worst one, hands down, was the Haji flu, uh, also known as MERS or a Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. I had that in Iraq on my second tour in Iraq. But yeah, that ripped through our company. Everybody in the company got it. Our whole company got it. Um, deadlined us. I mean, it, that wiped us out for about a week and a half. It, that was bad. Um, like your, your insides feel like they're just like liquid fire. Like that, that's you, you can't hold nothing down. You can't stand up. That, that was the worst. Um, you know, and, and, uh, everybody that, that's been overseas and especially in the Middle East or like Horn of Africa, um, you know, where, where co-location of, uh, human waste is, is really not the best. Uh, sanitation is not the best. And so, you know, you get those gray, uh, the, the gray runs coming out of you. Um, you know, it's, it's so everybody knows, but, um, dude, hand, foot, mouth was bad. Like, so I get over that and then, you know, come back and get RSV, like turn around, get RSV and like, man, what, you know, it, it, just to stop, man. Like this, the stuff just needs to stop. I think that's probably what um, this is—is is that RSV? But it's yeah. gone now. So, well, on the way out. <sighs> the wife's gonna get it though. She gonna get it. Don't say that. She gonna get loud. it because she made fun of you. She's in the next room. Don't <laughs> say it too loud. Listen, I may come She's... stay with you next week. I'm just saying. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Come on down here. We'll have we'll have a good time for the New Year's. We'll have a good time. If if Snowmageddon doesn't kill all of us, you know, that's that's like the new thing that we gotta be scared well, of. You know what? Everyone up here you know, is, Oh my god, it's cold outside. Up here is freaking out. And we were just over at Home Depot and there was this lady buying like every propane can she could and I was like, People act like it's never snowed in Michigan before. Bro, calm down. <laughs> It hasn't. It's it's literally never snowed in Michigan. I, I don't know what y'all are gonna do. Like that's the way they act. Like they're like, we got six inches coming in. I'm like, I lived in Grand Rapids for like two years and it snowed six inches every day for like six, six inches. Months. Oh yeah. That ain't that's nothing. I know. Like that ain't it, man, people people don't really get worked up over six inches here. Like they, they get excited. Like people, people here were excited because like, we're getting a lot of rain right now. It's going to turn into ice though. And, and that's the problem. Um, but people were getting excited, man. We're like, dude, we're, we're going to have a white Christmas. This is like the first time in a long time hey, listen, that, that we've had. Medic makes an important point and it all depends on context. But in some cases, <laughs> six inches is a lot. No one even likes eight inches of snow. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to, I've been trying the same point. Six inches is just enough. <laughs> oh, man. But see, all other jokes aside, 
Magmatic lives in the eastern side of North Carolina. So the the eastern. So once you get uh, east of Durham, like that line that that is Durham and eastward, it it it, it they don't get snow down there. Like it it's it's very very rare. So they they don't really have that. So everywhere um, west of there, like snow's not that big of a deal. Like it, it's we're expecting this winter is going to be kind of shitty. But, um, you know, that's, uh, I mean, it, it is what it is, all a matter of context. But, uh, ice storms, ice storms are what I don't like. Uh, ice storms when the power goes out, stuff gets, stuff gets crummy. Everybody goes in the ditch. Uh, you know, all, all the little soccer moms think they can drive their Tahoes around because they have four wheel drive. That's the like, worst. no. That's the worst. Yeah. You know, four wheel driving, four wheel stop. No, right, man, that's that's my biggest no. pet peeve. I'll be driving along, and someone will blow by me in the in the outside lane, and their four wheel drive. I'm like, that just means all four wheels can spin on the ice, bro. <laughs> and they always, at least here in the South, they always have their initials in the back in like cursive turquoise letters, you know, or cursive pink letters. So you're just like, yes, you're right, girl. Yeah, girl, you fix it to get get uh that that French latte all over the inside of that cab. I'm just saying, cause you you get ready to you know you get ready to put that thing in a ditch. You say that, and when we were at Home Depot, there was this truck parked in the lot, and it was all decked out and had all these lights on it and all that stuff. But on the on the rear and on both sides, it had these giant sculptured roosters, somewhat magnificent, like yes, cock. And I would yeah. look at the picture and say, which one of y'all is this? <laughs> oh man. That dude. That dude, he's yeah, yes. That he gets the award, man. I bet if I had walked around, I could have spotted the guy. But we were on a mission, so I didn't go looking for him. Oh yeah, you could have spotted him. He probably had like a Ranger Up T-shirt on, oh, and yeah. he like he's he's Two just wearing a T-shirt. Small. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. He he's he's just wearing the T-shirt too, like no coat or nothing. Yeah. Just like I'm tough. Yeah, like right. motherfucker, put a coat on. Like yeah, you know you're cold, man. You, you know you're cold. Just put a just put a fucking coat on, man. Like come on, you know. Like you ain't gonna be hard as woodpecker lips in the morning. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, just uh, let's 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 turn it let's turn it down to about an eight, man. You know, yeah, you know, bro, you know? can we dial that back just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! So, so not only are you trying to get me to spend more money on radios, apparently now Madman is trying to get me to spend money on radio intercept gear. Y'all are terrible on the wallet. I'm just saying we are. We are. All you got to do is write more books, man. That's all I mean, you got to do. Well, that and, uh, man, like, it is 2022. I wish we didn't have to find radios, to be honest with you. It's kind of yeah. a pain in the ass. Yeah. Makes my head hurt. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean... It's just the world we live in, but 
you know, when you think about, and, and a lot of the gun bunnies out there, you know, the the guys that, I love that go to the range and, yeah, you know, that's about the extent of what they're going to do. And then they, you know, they go and they get on ARFCOM or whatever, um, you know, and, and they're, they're splitting hairs talking about, you know, the difference between a Noveski and a, uh, Sons of Liberty Gunworks. And I mean, you know, like what, who cares? Whatever, yeah, that, that you know, stuff like, gets old. Yeah. You know, but, but those guys, like a lot of them, a lot of them would never see the, the importance of like, okay, you know, communications as a thing is actually your biggest enabler. Like that, that is your biggest enabler followed immediately by medical skills. Bingo. Those Absolutely. two, like you're, you're going to be doing a lot more of both of those than you are shooting. Okay. In, in any perceived conflict that, that you think that you're going to get into communications and really uh, the, the communications intelligence side or the uh, signals intelligence side, which are, you know, slightly different uh, subtopics, but th- those two followed by medical skills that that's where you're really going to prove your worth. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's why we emphasize it as much as we do. Cause I mean, there, there's a lot of great trigger pullers out there. I mean, you know, all right, what else can you do? You know, like, all right, you can do that. I can make anybody a trigger puller in a day. That's really not a difficult task. You can teach somebody to shoot in a short amount of time. You know, I do it every scout course, but, it's it's not a um, that's not a difficult task, but it's it it's it's the other skills that take a lot more time to learn. Well, let's that are way more in the, in the real world. You know this, and I know this. You know this because you were on small teams way out in the middle of nowhere on your own, and I yep. know it because security teams are on their own. The ability yep. to call for other folks to come and dig you out of a situation is a superpower, right? Yep. The ability to push that button and call someone in and then have your doc treat the guy that's wounded until they get there. You can't beat that. You got to have yep. that. That's better than have all your trigger pulling skills. Yeah. No, it is um qualified medical is a morale booster too. Like there's yeah. a like knowing there's a guy that can, you know, he's got you know, he hits the squat rack like cuz you got to be able to pick him up. And, uh, but, but you gotta be able to work on them too. Um, yeah. And I mean that like, you're going to take casualties, like, you know, go out and zero an M4 or zero an AK, you know, and engage some targets with it. And then think to yourself, man, the other guy has the exact same capability, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's, right. you're going to get clipped, man. Like you gotta, man, you better make your, uh, you better get your buckle in the dirt. Yeah. Deep you want to get your buckle deeper than the dirt. Yeah. See, that's the that's the yeah, best you... part, uh, Johnny, because these guys will get out here to train and they all do everything from standing and everything from static. And yeah. like you, you gotta move. You gotta get Joe. Started. It's just nonsense. You can probably uh you know, testify to this because you know, if uh I, I actually have not um uh, studied where you came from yet, nor have I read your books. I will get to them. Um, the nice to meet you, by the way. Yeah. Hey, uh, what's up? Yeah. How's it going, man? Um, 
the so you see on the a lot of it is like this institutional inbreeding that NC Scout talks about, where every channel is like the profile view of the guy looking cool. It's like a John Wick edit, you know, with yeah. the with the jump cuts. And it's like I you do not do the tactical wiggle noodle John Wick moves like in real life. In real life, like I was taught by some of the best shooters, the most dangerous soldiers in the world is one, you need to relax when you're out on the, in the field and patrol because you are using your muscles and your muscles will get tired. Yes. Um, you know, try, try staring through binoculars for four hours straight. Try looking through a, you know, 10, 15, 20 power scope for four hours straight. It is yeah. hard to do. Your eyes have muscles. They will get tired. You need other guys on your team. There, there's just a lot going on that is just not talked about. And it hasn't been talked about really ever in the history of like the YouTube gun tube culture. And it, it, and it has been touched on by some like, like uh, Risky Krisky said the other day, like there's a huge gap in like reality and what looks good on camera. And exactly. another thing is like this tactical wiggle noodle, extra movements while you're shooting. First of all, that's going to throw your shot. Like, do not do extra movements while you're shooting. Like, what what on earth is that all about? And then um, the uh, the second principle, that's just steady position. Like, what are you doing wiggling around a bunch of extra at, at like just at all, like for any period of time? But then you're not going to be able to achieve that for a 24 hour or 48 hour patrol, which is probably what you're going to find your ass in if we end up with, you know, uh, people's liberation army, army paratroopers jumping out of people's liberation army, air force aircraft. Like you're going to have a serious problem. If you're burning up your muscle, you need to use your skeleton to support stuff as much as possible be and save your muscles for when you really need that, uh, explosive speed. And, yep. and, and that would be your individual movement technique, which is you finding cover. And, uh, and you can't be winded when you get there. Like you really just need to relax and, and try not to try to just focus on scanning for threats and making sure your spacing's good, making sure you're in formation, um, making sure your, um, most casualty producing weapon is oriented towards your, uh, primary threat. If uh, direction of threat, if you're moving to contact or on a linear danger area or an open danger area like it, you it really that's like what's important it's not you know how you can how many videos you can make of you looking like john wick shooting in the latest pcc or m4 or <laughs> ak i mean it's I, I i could go on and on it drives me nuts staccato but yeah, be shooting my guys... staccato they drive me crazy and i tell people all the time that you can find a lot of a lot of great looking videos on the internet none of which has any practicality in real life like somebody sent me this video of this dude walking on a treadmill and shooting all these targets and i'm like what what is this <laughs> he's like it's training it's training to move I'm like, but he's not moving just because he's walking on a treadmill doesn't mean he's moving and your targets aren't going to stand still. They're going to move. It was just, it looks cool. And it's just stupid. Well, so shooting from the standing position, uh, there's a, that's really dangerous for a lot of reasons. Because 
you're probably going to be getting shot at while say, you're hey, standing. That's what the bullets are, by the way. Yeah. The like a bullet, if it varies in a standard deviation of velocity, that is a that translates into a vertical uh, pattern on a target, which is straight up and down. So even if he gets like you're 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 already at a disadvantage there because inherently the bullet is going to be acted upon by this the value of the speed and gravity and then time of flight. Um, so the smaller target you can make yourself, the better. And standing up is literally the worst. Like, um, worst. Like, it it just doesn't make any sense to stand up and shoot um, in a in a gunfight. The um, it looks good on camera though. Hollywood and and YouTube sure sure made sure Sells of that. That was a lot of gear. And, and with, yes, it does. Johnny Paratrooper just totally recapped my second book, Fieldcraft. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the whole book, right? Johnny there. Paratroopers. Available on Amazon. <laughs> the um yeah, you, you gotta you gotta make yourself small. Like it, it I mean it's it's you know, standing up and looking cool is just yeah. it's how you end up with a medic on top of you. Hope oh, and that's best case scenario. What's funny is you go through training and you learn these things, you're like, yeah, that's all really neat and everything. But then that first night, uh, which for me, my first night of being shot at was uh, December 20th, 1989. Uh, the first time that you get shot at by somebody with a rifle and you realize, just like you said, oh, wait, he's got the same skills I do or, or close. You start thinking in your head, what did that guy say about how small I can get and where's the biggest hole I can dive in? Yep. Uh, yeah. Weird things go through your mind. The first, uh, the first bullet that went over my head, my uh, my friend and I looked at each other on patrol, and I was like, "What?" We both said at the same time, "Did we just get shot at?" Did like, I, it. They waited about a month before they started opening up on us. They bl they blew up some of our chain of command the first day and and launched a couple of rockets and mortars into our JSS, but um, they then they waited about a month and then they started putting them over our head, and uh. Yeah, it like, but then after that, it was like, hey, man, I, I could like die like this. This is, you know, I'm 20 years old. I'm 21 years old. But like, you know, Jesus, I got like family and friends like I, I need to get my ass like down low. And like, like I, I actually um started uh zigzagging a lot more um on patrol. Um, yep. just, just on the, like, just walking, like, like kind of weaving, um, doing like an S path, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, instead of walking directly into a, uh, trip wire, you actually kind of, it, hopefully if it was set up perpendicular to your direction of travel, hopefully yeah, if you are, um, yeah. yeah, hopefully you kind of bump into it and you kind of pick up that it's there first. Um, if it's a command debt, there's nothing you can do. Somebody's going to eat it on the team. Um, yep. But uh, I mean, you're going to eat it. Uh, the EFPs that hit us the first day blew a three-inch hole through my first sergeant's truck um, and missed him by about six feet. The um, he got lucky too. That was one of the um, we yeah, think it was yeah. one of the yeah we think it was one of the pre-made ones because it cut right oh, through yeah. both sides of the truck, um, right through the armor. Uh, Sounds like hole. one of the Iranian ones. Yeah, we think it was one of the Iranian ones that was shipped in looking like a coffee can. Mm -hmm. Crazy.
pre-made camouflaged stealth um yeah anyway i'm sorry not to interrupt you joe no that that's actually funny uh, I, I actually mentioned in my patrol thing not the zigzagging part but the british practice i don't know if you guys have ever seen the british but they do this this random thing where every once in a while they just break out in a run and dive down into a firing position and they started that in northern ireland because they were getting ambushed when they would leave the base right so they started just randomly going at a dead run for about a half a block and then diving into firing position. And it made the IRA guys think they were onto them. The IRA guys would either trigger their ambush early or run. And uh, so I included that in my fourth book on scouting and patrolling. Just a neat little technique. For for us, they were um, interestingly like, you know, the cult, there's a, obviously a cultural difference that, that plays into the, the environment yeah. for yeah. MET-TC. And uh, they were that you probably saw this too. They were flipping pigeons um, oh, yeah. when you were you, when you were in the area. Try shooting a pigeon out of the air. It ain't happening. Yeah, right. Plus, they already know you're there. Um, and so, um, when they started flipping pigeons, obviously though, you turn that into a human exploitation mission and uh, start talking to them. Uh, do a do a do a street do a street level interview and be like, Hey man, yeah. why are you flipping pigeons? You know, like what, ha what, what do you think is going to happen to you when uh, one of our guys gets killed? You know, we're going to yep. come back here with Delta force and we're going to fucking kill you. You know, you flip pigeons again when we walk through this neighborhood and you're getting bagged next time. Right. And yeah. you know, a couple of guys, they flipped pigeons when we walked back through and we intentionally walked back through. You can't tell someone you're coming back and not come back. Right. On. Um, your that, credibility you, goes out the window, yeah. Yeah. Johnny, I love it when you For get sure. fired up like that. Yeah, I, there, you we, stop. Did, we did some interesting stuff. Um, I really learned a lot about, like, there's there's learning, like, the the soldier, how to be a soldier, and then there's learning how to behave like a soldier. And, uh, and yeah. I definitely... You have to be part I, gangster. Yeah, you gotta... You, you cannot uh one of the things i learned about being a leader is not caring what other people think about you because it causes um paralysis analysis it causes peer paralysis uh through That's over right. analysis you're too busy thinking about what other people are going to think about you and you lost the momentum like a poker game or uh like a fight like if you um are actually in a fist fight if if you freeze up because you're like oh i don't want to hurt this guy like no, no no he's trying to hurt you like the other guy, uh, if you're do if you're talking to an Iraqi and he's being disrespectful and clearly lying to you, grab that motherfucker by the neck and and rattle his cage, and be like, hey, fuckhead, you know, I'm goddamn fucking talking to you, like you know, look that's, me in the eyes and answer my questions truthfully. Culturally, that that's all they understand, right? Violence or yeah. the threat of. So. Yeah, it, it's it, like so. My friends in law enforcement say the same thing. It, it's, you know, like you, you're, you're taught one way, you know, but there, there's, there's basically there, there's the book way to be the, the ideal type. And then there's, there's the street way, you know? And, and so it's a, the, there's, there's a, it's a different animal and um, you know, yeah, it, you're exactly right. It, it's very much like that, you know, case in point, uh, one of the things that we learned in Iraq very, very quickly was when you went outside the wire, 
you looked hard. It didn't matter whether you were walking one city block or, you know, a couple hundred meters down the road or, or you know, you're walking clear across Samara, you know, where, where I was on my second deployment. You you were there for the fight. Like, it, you, you looked hard as shit because if you didn't, if, you know, like, like using the street term, you get caught slipping, you know, like that, that's a, uh, for, a uh, you know, kind of the, the street context to that is if, if you look like you, you're letting your guard down or your guard's slipping a little bit, somebody's going to come mess with you. Right. And that's exactly how it was over there. It, it was the exact same way you had to look hard and, uh, you know, a, a quick story about that. We had a group of, of uh, National Guard MPs that were from uh, Tennessee, I think. And, I mean, they they didn't belong there. They didn't really have a clear-cut mission. Um, their company commander was a female. Um, she, she had no idea what she was doing. I mean... You know, it, yeah, it look, it's a fact. Okay. It, it, it's just a fact. Um, you know, her, her soldiers, when they would go outside the wire, um, so these, these are army national guard, military policemen, right? They're going outside the wire. Uh, there was a few of them that were carrying their M4s by the barrel, right? They're, they're not looking like they're going out for a fight. And so, you know, when, when you see that, you say, hey, you know, these these guys don't really look like they're going to put much of a fight up. We can attack them and, and we can be successful. And lo and behold, that happened. Um, yeah, of course they, it did. They went out on a, a quick, I don't, I don't remember what it was. We were getting our vehicles ready for something and I was doing radio checks with the talk and um getting ready to go and and they had just pushed out of of, uh, the ecp and uh i heard two booms and i was like huh that sounded like an rkg3 which uh rkg3s are um a uh they look like the the german potato mashers from world war ii it's a anti-tank grenade and uh it's got a little efp in it little uh, explosive form projectile cuts right through armor and um, they got hit with two of those. Didn't get a shot off. Didn't get, you know, the 3Ds, distance, direction, description. They didn't get anything. They come over the company net, right? Their, com- their company commander, who's a captain, female. She comes over, can't give a accurate spot report, can't tell us where she is. Complete loss of bearings. She's panicking over the radio. So I'm trying to answer her, you know, because I'm in the truck. I'm like, oh, shit, you know, like, hey, let's go. We're going to go shoot something. And, uh, you know, it was it was otherwise a boring morning. You know, we're getting ready to go do what we did that day, you know. And, hey, we're going to get spun up. And so uh, uh, my first sergeant jumps on the radio, and he's trying to, like, talk her off the ledge and say, you know, like, okay, where are you exactly? Get your grid location from your Blue Force tracker and tell me what it says. And he's, and still, it, it, the kicker to it was they were less than a mile away from us. How how do you completely lose all your bearings? How do you completely throw everything? And, and she's a captain, by the way, at that point in time. 
she's not a brand new soldier and nobody else working for her was either. You know, I mean, these were all people that, that were, you know, spec for and above. How the hell do did everybody just forget what they were doing? Apparently so. You know, why? Because they didn't look like they were there for a fight. They weren't there for a fight. They weren't sure why they were there. Uh, they didn't want to do anything. And they, they, they were terrified of going up into the guard towers and, and going up there because, oh, there's snipers. Well, I got to get up there. Yeah, okay. You know, so what? There's snipers. You know, like, that's, <laughs> that's part of it. You're in Iraq. If you didn't want to worry about snipers, you shouldn't have came to Iraq. Um, you know, you shouldn't have enlisted. Well, but, a, lot uh, those, a lot of National Guard and Reserve uh, military police are serving civilian police, too. So they have that same mentality of, yeah, we're not to roll the streets. And that's not the way it works. No, 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 Lord, no, no, no. I, I know. Um, like, you know, these bad habits have seemed to infiltrate a lot of um, some of the top tier units, too, because I remember when that video of those Green Berets getting ambushed came out in uh nigeria i believe it was yeah they 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 made some mistakes on that so they they, so one of the mistakes was our state department was a bunch of sellouts they agreed to no belt fed weapons so like after i saw that video um you know i got friends that are green berets i you know i got a lot of respect for those guys obviously my grandfather was one of the first green berets i you know i i you know I like those guys. I think they're cool. And uh, I got a lot of love for what they do. And, the, um, you know, they, they got to go to, you know, other people's countries and they, they are part soldier and, and part diplomat, part ambassador, part um, spy. Like they do a lot of stuff. Those guys, those guys are cool. And, um, you know, they, they agreed to no belt fed weapons to do some extremely dangerous key leader meetings and negotiating deals with hardened terrorists that could apparently put 400 men armed and technicals out on the street. But you're agreeing to no belt fed weapons. First of all, when I was a paratrooper in Baghdad in 2009, if we sent 20 guys outside the wire, we had like 12 or 14 belt fed weapons. Every dismount, except for the NCOs, if you if you were not an if you were lower enlisted, you had a belt-fed weapon as a dismount. We pulled up with four to six vehicles, belt-fed weapon in every turret. Right, dismounts would get out. It would be an NCO with a radio and an M4 with an ACOG and a lot of magazines, and and possibly a grenade launcher maybe. Um, and then each NCO had a machine gunner with them. It, it, it like we, we had an enormous amount of firepower. If, if you picked a fight with the 82nd airborne in Sodder city, there was like guaranteed by doctrine, there was going to be like three or 4,000 bullets coming your direction by doctrine. These guys and these poor guys in Nigeria couldn't even get like 15 or 20 shots off. I mean, it would have, it would have, if it was a regular, 
I mean, first of all, the commander I know would have simply said to the State Department, fuck you, I'm not going outside the wire without belt-fed weapons. Like, what? have you not studied the last 100 years of warfare? Like, you, how can you put 20 guys out there and and have no belt-fed weapons and there's a you've got intel that there's possibly 400 guys that armed that can put technicals on the ground? Like, what the fuck? Just doesn't make any sense, man. I mean, I would have sent the belt feds anyway. Screw them. Yeah, that's the correct answer is, oh, yeah, we won't bring any belt feds. And and, and then you bring extra belt yeah, feds. Like, oh, like you know, like. The battlefield, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You're in PKMs, man. Got them. Get, get this PK. Those aren't American. I don't know. But, but yeah, it's, well. PKMs and markets in those areas. I, I, I agree. I agree. I think we have the same sources of that information. I know where you can get them in Afghanistan, uh, for sure, for sure. Um, that's uh, the PKM, the RPD, uh, the RPD also, which is a mighty, mighty fine weapon system. I always liked the RPD. I it it, it was one of those that, for whatever reason, people like to hate the RPD. I don't really know why. Um, you know, that's the 762 by 39 belt fed. Yep. I don't know why they hate it. It was a marvelous little weapon. Yeah, I think it's not. Yeah. But anyhow, let's uh let's let's move into some Christmassy stuff. So because it, it is a Christmas episode, it does come around one time a year, and uh, you know, it is the Christmas episode, and I think that um, you know, as, as a good change of pace, we could discuss some news. We could, we could talk about this whole, you know, Zelensky comes to DC, and, you know, but I don't think honestly that any of us are going to say anything that anybody else listening to the show probably isn't already thinking. And I don't think that we would probably add to the conversation very much. Um, that's not to say I don't want to sure. You know, I'd spare no opportunity to shit on grifters. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's grifters and warmongers. But, you know, with that being said, it's, it, the whole thing's been beat to death. I think that we, we can do something more productive. And, and so it kind of dawned on me with it being a Christmas episode. Um, something that's very special to me personally. I think having a good roundtable for uh, the next 39 minutes that we've got on the clock. Tonight's going quick is to talk about our favorite Christmas story. Um, our favorite, maybe, Christmas experience. Our favorite uh, Christmas memories. Together, I think that that would, be, that would be something really good to talk about. And, um, you know, so first on the list, Madman. What you got? Um, actually, I have a pretty decent one. Um, I come from a fairly large family. Um, you know, one of my parents is one of seven children. The other is one of four. Um, and the bigger side of the family, uh, my grandparents, my grandfather actually won the lottery twice. Um, cause he like counted the numbers in a like composition notebook and he figured it out in one big twice. So he, he bought uh land. Whoa. Yeah. He, he bought land in Pennsylvania Whoa. and had a house built. 
So we had this enormous, I mean, I'm not kidding you. This thing was like 20 feet long, this humongous table. And uh, I remember we would go up there for Christmas and, uh, you know, there was like uh, an uncountable number of people, at least what, like, you know, nine-year-old madman. I'm not counting that many adults. There's just too much going on. So I, I thought I was going to be able to sit at the big table because it was so big. And my grandfather comes out and he's got his card table and he like sits it in the corner with four metal fold out chairs. And he's like, eh, I left some gas in it for you, Hoss. And he looked right at me and I was like, you know, I really thought I was going to be able to sit with the big kids. But now me and uh, three of my other little cousins, the youngest of us, we all had to sit at the uh, little card table. But that year, I got uh, the most comfortable pair of socks from my grandfather. And he looked at me and he was like, son, you need warm socks and you need to keep your feet clean. And uh, he was an old Navy guy from World War II. And that stuck with me for a really long time. And it was funny when I joined the Army. I was like, yeah, you know, Pop-Pop said, keep your feet warm and keep them clean. He knew the deal. And, uh, man, the wisdom that gets passed down nonchalantly in, in a lot of families, it gets overlooked a lot. But, uh, yeah, that was a good Christmas, man. That was like the last year that my whole entire family uh, was together. There was a whole lot of nonsense drama that happened after that. But, uh, yeah, you know, like all my cousins, uh, extended family, like great, great aunts, great uncles, just everybody was together, man. I remember everybody laughing, you know, like that's the first time I remember my dad definitely getting drunk and he's not a drinker by any stretch, uh, on holidays, he'll have a few drinks. Um, but I remember it so well that I remember he had the, like the rosy cheeks just like I get when I start drinking. So, and I know I'm his son that that only means one thing. He's either, he's either been working out or he's been drinking kind of the same thing <laughs> um but yeah, yeah like that that christmas man that that really stands out when i was like nine ten years old um just having that whole big giant family together and like the kid we're just like running around like animals in the basement screaming our heads off um yeah it was just good times man and that one really sticks out just because i got my first pair of like super warm comfy socks it's crazy. Like it's the small things, you know, it is man. And you know, socks is like one of those things that people groan about, like little kids groan about it. They're like, Oh, what are, you know, I want the coolest new toy or whatever. And yeah, you know, like, yeah, but as adults, you, know, you think back on stuff like that. You're like, man, you know, like he, yeah, Papa was looking out for me, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, like like I'm wearing a, a really good pair of wool socks right now, and um, yeah. I got my darn tufts on. Man, hearing that story, Heck darn yeah. tufts, good sock. in here because it's really smoky, you know, a little 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 dust in my eye or something from that story. <laughs> <laughs> a little smoky. No, yeah. I'm about to go light up a cigar in the garage here pretty soon. 
Sounds good. I, I got the last little bit of this flu bug pushing out, and it's it's like a respiratory thing now. So it's uh, I, I have a, a new box, new box of crowned head Y Imperiosis here, double robustos, and uh, I was I was looking forward to having one, but I want to make sure this uh, all this crud is out of here first, and then. Then we shall do it. But, uh, good call. Yeah, man, that's that's a good one. That's a good story. That's uh, and and it is. It's very much the little things. You know, that's the stuff that stays with us. It's our best memories. Joe, well, favorite Christmas story, brother. Well, I got to tell the same one that I that I told last night, uh, only because it's. It's both hilarious and it's a classic parents Christmas thing. So we were we were trying to keep the magic going for the kids as long as we could. And I guess Kat was probably uh, her, her name's Katarina Alexis. She's a little, it's a very auspicious name, uh, and she lives mm-hmm. up to it, hundred uh, percent. She was probably eight or nine, and we wait to the last minute to do literally everything. So we're wrapping presents in the middle of the night. And we start putting them under the tree right after the kids went to bed. Whatever reason, Cat gets up, steps into the, the family room, and we're like, oh, crap. So I kind of try to lay down in front of the presents, and, you know, she drags Cat away, and they're, they're chatting in the corner. And she takes her around the corner, and Cat's thinking, Santa's here, Santa's here. She's like, no, no, no. She's like, no, I saw him. And uh, we're like, no, there's no Santa here. I quick take the presents, dodge him into another room. She brings Cat out there. She goes, see, there's no Santa here. Instantly, she starts bawling. I woke up when Santa was delivering the presents, and, and then he took the ball away, and now I'm not going to get any. And so now you feel terrible because you're oh, a child, right? So, so what's oh. my solution? What's my solution? We're going to lie to the child some more and make her think she's, you know, she's imagining things. Like, Cat, I don't even know what you're talking about. This is the first time you came out here. You You've been dreaming. You slept through this whole thing. And uh, so she goes back to bed, gets calmed down. And in the morning, she's like, no, I'm pretty sure I saw Santa, but I didn't come out and talk to you guys. So so we lied to her and changed the memory in her head and probably did irreparable damage for the rest of her, her life. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did keep the magic of Santa alive that year. So. Uh, but I did have oh. one question uh, later on after after uh, Kat had gone back to bed. I'm like, she said she saw Santa. Did, did Kat think I'm fat? Uh, but it, it was funny. That's the one. And, and you know what? That's what you do as parents, though, right? You try to keep the magic alive and keep the kids happy and and do what you can, and you know what? You're going to make mistakes along the way, but as long as you're trying to go in the right direction with them, hey, keep trying. Yeah. For sure, man. For sure. And, and you know, I don't know. I I don't really remember when, like, as a kid, when, like, the, the magic of Christmas and all that, like, when I realized, I don't know, I think I was pretty much on to it by, like, the first grade. I don't know. It, it was, I started finding stuff because my parents were kind of crummy at hiding things. And I was like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, 
but I don't know, man. It, it was, it was something. Yep. Good times. So Johnny. I don't, uh, I don't have any stories of gaslighting my daughter into thinking she dreamed up. <laughs> I mean, I, there's a lesson there, I suppose. A human being, um, yes. no, no, you're good, man. I, you know, I have, uh, I don't have kids myself, but, uh, I have a lot of, uh, that you know of. Yeah. That I know of maybe in Canada, but I mean. Who hasn't there's some, there's some little Johnny paratroopers running around Black Boulevard right now. <laughs> like there's, there's, a, there's a trailer park in Spring Lake right now. It's got a little uh, six foot four friggin' ten year old running around with black hair, rosy cheeks, and he's like, I didn't know black shitty grin all the time. Like, little known fact, but LGOP yeah. stands for. A uh, little group of paternity suits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's man, dude. True. I'm telling you, bro. That that Johnny. I'm gonna tell you the trailer park you hit up. I'm gonna tell you right now. I know the one. Spring Lake, right outside of Pope, like right outside of Pope Airfield, right outside of Green Ramp. There was that trailer park right there across from Aviators. That was you. That was you. A hundred percent. You went over there. You had some old girl over there that was driving a, a 2003 Chevy Cavalier. Probably, you know, no, smoking no. a pack of Palm Oils a day. Cavalier. The Z24. Yes. It was a, yes, it was a yes. 2002 Dodge Neon, sir. No, oh, the Dodge, oh, Dodge Neon. She's only got 24 more payments before it's it's paid off. Okay, before the, the lien is paid off. She got a lien on it. She went and got uh, her payday loan on the title. That's you know, I'd drive by there and those ladies would get a glimpse of me on the way to my good looking girlfriend's house. And they'd <laughs> smile. Those chicks in those trailer parks were like missing teeth. They'd they'd have the sores all up and down their arms and the back of their legs from shooting dope. There was, there was, uh, man, there were some places on Fort Bragg, uh, off of Bragg that were a real like mess. Right off of Bragg. Yeah, like, like a right hundred feet. Almost like military bases attract them because it's the same way at Lejeune. So, oh yeah, no, Camp Lejeune's exact same. I've dropped a few dudes off at Lejeune. Yes, it, it, tell you, it's the same. Why, uh, as an MP, you volunteer for the off-limits establishment patrol. Because you get to go to the fun places. That's funny. Yeah. And you oh, bring yeah. back guys like Johnny Paratrooper mm. when they're going into wrong. They were gone in that trailer park. Hey, Airborne, they come here. They found him a queen in there. <laughs> First sergeant, I found your boy over there. <laughs> Man, let me tell you. Man, find, finding them trailer park queens in Fayetteville, North Carolina. There was a place yeah. in Fort Hood on uh, by Rancier Avenue, and oh. the, the name the name of the business was the Grillist. And <laughs> the dude, the he yeah, he was he he put grills, oh, no. he, he put grills all up in your grill, and uh, right down the street. There was a car dealership that was exclusively 
Crown Victorias and Mercury Milanos with 22-inch rims, and they were all very bright colors. It was like a a bag of Skittles, but like cars lined up. And there was like 30 of these damn things. And they were all donks. Yeah, they're in every they're in like every army town. They got the M&M car, the Reese's car. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you guys want I actually liked those dudes. I'm a I'm a car guy. I thought that was kind of cool. You know what you gotta look up? I want everybody that's listening to this podcast to go on YouTube. And type in Grip Boys, G-R-I-P space B-O-Y-S, Fort or Colleen, Texas. Mm. Colleen is K-I-L-L-E-E-N. And if you type that in, you're going to come up with a music video. And uh, the Grip Boys go hard, man. And uh, that was like our, when we were on shift work, after we got back from deployment, that was like our go-to. We'd have a, you know, we'd do PT at like one in the morning, and then we come, you know, get in, everybody get a shower, get changed, come in, start a shift, and man, we turn on the grip boys and we get down. Hey, and we'd be track, we'd be tracking terrorists, <laughs> terrorists, terrorists. It was oh, a good time, yeah. but the grip boys go hard. Houston had that I'm scene too, right like now, like Central I'm Texas. That I want to actually click any of no, 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 click it. Trust me, you want to click yeah, it. You, yeah, it's an experience. Like it, got, it's an experience, yeah. and when I say yeah, it's experience, it, like take Disney World, but like put it in the ghetto, and that's the experience. <laughs> <laughs> that's the grip boys right there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're talking yeah. about Ferris wheels. It's a good time. Trust me. You're going to love it. Oh, man. Dude, <laughs> DJ Screw. All of it All of it came from DJ Screw. All of yeah. it. Like that, that, whole, that whole scene came out of Southside Houston. And that was an experience for me. So, like, um, learning, learning about all that, my first roommate – and a, a good friend of mine, I kind of lost contact with him over the years. I'd, I'd love to catch up with him. But uh, my first roommate, I mean, he he was from Houston, from Southside Houston. Um, you know, funniest dude on earth to me at that time. This guy, man, dry sense of humor. Like, um, he had been in, uh, he, he had actually done some team roping in the black rodeo there too. But like he, he was, it it was, it was crazy because he had like his ghetto side to him. Then he had like his cowboy side to him, which was, was, it it was just really, it it was, it was interesting, man. Um, but, um, real, real good dude. Also the only guy I knew that got a purple heart twice and lived. Um, but, uh. Anyway, anyway, Christmas I learned stories. about DJ Screw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned about DJ Screw from him. Um, just like, man, what is this? Like he was playing, playing some Screw, man, playing some Screw. And uh, so, uh, one of the guys in the comment section said, "How did he get him?" Um, he got shot in the head. Uh, as uh, got hit in the Kevlar helmet uh it arced around 
so it, it you know didn't penetrate his skull but he he had a nice uh nice scar where the round arced around so his helmet did what it was supposed to do um his second purple heart he took some shrapnel uh to his neck and face in a gunner's turret from an RKG3 and um but survived i mean he survived all of it you can talk about a tough dude man um you know but uh, not gonna mention his name because I, you know, don't don't want to don't wanna blast anybody out there like that. But um, good dude, man, real real good dude. Uh, open country in a comment saying you need to sip some syrup to understand DJ Screw. Yes, uh, scissor. That's that's the proper pronunciation. <laughs> yes, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You need to be sipping some lean. That's also what so, DJ Screw. By the way, uh, speaking of. Speaking of dome shots, that reminds me. I'm not going to say his name either, but uh, when I showed up to Fort Hood, he was never he was in my company. He was never my squad leader or anything. Uh, but he had this like little bald patch, um, like uh, if you feel like the back of your skull, that little knob, like right to the right of that was like a little bald spot. And uh, we were standing in formation one day, and I was like. I felt like a dick afterwards, obviously, because I was like a private first class and he was a buck sergeant. Um, and I was like, Sergeant, uh, did your wife fuck up your hair? And he's like, no, you little dickhead. I got shot in the fucking mouth and it went through the back of my head. Oh. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, then so he, oh. he was actually he was actually cool about it. He told me the story um, and he had papers. He had receipts to prove it. Um, this dude got shot. His first, like his, uh, on his right side, his front tooth and the tooth next to it were fake because the round went through his teeth out the back of his head. And this dude like stood back up and took the AT4 off of his rucksack and shot it back at the dude in the building in Baghdad that shot him. That's a hard like he saw right the flash there. and I was like. Bro. Man, that is my kind of hard motherfucker, dude. That was a hard motherfucker, man. <laughs> you want to talk about a Billy badass. Some of the stories... Well, so he was 11 Bravo, right? And he got reclassed after that happened. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but he wound up in my battalion somehow. And man, like... That was like... You know, I was like that cocky little shithead when I first got to my unit. Um, yeah. But after that, he yeah, he really humbled my ass for sure. That was a uh, that was I'll a wake up what. call. I was like, oh, okay, this is <laughs> this shit's real. Teeth become shrapnel of their own too, man. That's like wow. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, dude, blown away. Yeah. And uh, hey, boys, I gotta tap out a little bit early because I I committed to being on somebody else's show here in a bit. Hi, so brother. Tap out on you. Hey, God right bless. On. Merry Christmas. Thank you Merry for being Christmas. In, in here with us. Merry Christmas. Hey, now that I know how to get in here, I'll be in here uh, regularly harassing you all. So. Oh yeah, we're gonna be on the air next Don't Thursday me too. With a good time. I decided y'all needed y'all needed a marine to class this place up. I did see it was you and Mechmatic together. Y'all y'all brought the Marine Corps in here. I smelled so, you uh, coming up the elevator. <laughs> it's the crayons, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Waxy. What's that cologne you got oh. on? Oh, you crayon. <laughs> <coughs> Put a little Cajun on it. All right, brother. God bless. So, Johnny. Yes, sir. 
Favorite Christmas story. Favorite Christmas story. Um, hmm. Hmm. Probably. Favorite Christmas story. Probably snowmobiling through Yellowstone for Christmas. Oh, man. During a, a blizzard, I saw a bison get ripped apart. Oh. Uh, we had a couple bottles of tequila and rum and bourbon and whiskey. So and, uh, it was me and some family, some Johnny, family I, and I. I don't. I don't want to cut you off in your Christmas story, but uh, almost every story you have involves, <laughs> and this is an andor, uh, blood and guts, alcohol, and. Uh, what open top vehicles <laughs> like handlebar motor vehicles? My god, you're correct, or a horse, or a horse. You're, oh. you're either riding on a horse, a, a motorcycle, a dirt bike, an ATV, and there may or may not be blood, guts, and booze involved. Did I tell you about the time I was like. Uh, riding tailgate on some razors and fighting forest fires in Wyoming, and you did. They were like dive bombing. They were, dude. There's news articles to prove that we stopped that fire 450 yards. Because I remember I called you like ranch the day after to check on you. Yep. Because you know you like had the the corner that you actually got cell service and I called you and I was like, Hey buddy. Yeah. And you were like, Hey man, what's going on? I was like, Oh, nothing, you know, hanging out. What, what's going on with you? Oh, you know, just stopped a wildfire. I was like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. We, we fought that thing for two days, man. Wildfires go to sleep at night. Cause the, um, ignition energy of the fuel actually lowers at night. It, it doesn't have uh, the same activation energy. So the fire goes to sleep at night. And uh, you can sit there at night. I had my PVS 14s because we had been listening to Radio Contra. That was the same summer Madman and I got into Radio Contra. And um, yeah, we, we were texting each other. And, and Madman's like, look, man. Madman was like, look, dude, I can't tell you because I used to work for the cool kids. But when we get together in person, we're going to go over what he's talking about. And I was like, good, because... I have no idea what this is talking about. Like, I knew the history. Like, Scout, when you would talk about the history of, yeah. like, Marxism and stuff, I, I, you know, I've studied that. Like, yeah. and that's, yeah, I no, love I, that I about you. That stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the radio stuff, though, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> uh, you know? Like, Man, speaking of, uh, speaking of OG Radio Contra, Scout, I remember when I was still paving asphalt and I was in the sweeper truck kind of bouncing along, sweeping up the millings. And I was listening yeah. to episode one on the Chechen war. Oh man. Yeah. OG. Yeah. A classic. This OG. That was like three years ago, man. And I was they, like, dude, this guy, believe, bro. When I heard that episode, Cause Johnny, like he he texted me the link. He's like, "Bro, you gotta listen to this guy. He is, he knows what he's talking about." And I heard that episode, and I was like, "Man, this 
This is going places. This yeah. is this is taking off. Yeah. And here we are, three years later, and like eleven thousand some odd subscribers. Here we are, man. That's crazy. Is- I feel good about twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three is going to be a badass year, man. Yeah, I just got all these scopes. Um, um my uh, yeah, you my, did. Yeah, man, my spot and scopes on order, but there's a lead time on those things. But the um, yeah, I just no, that's got scope my scope. Uh, you got is badass, dude. I just got my new glass, and I am smiling ear to ear. We're gonna take these things out, and we're gonna we're gonna pump those percentages. I had a fourth round impact in a steady and constant fifteen mile an hour full value wind at a thousand uh at 955 yards the other day um last week nice. fourth round 955 in a 15 mile an hour full value from uh, left to right and then we switched to the other side of the range and the wind was coming full value from the other direction you and i had five creeble no sir shooting 308 federal gold nice. medal match 308 yes, Rio yes, hate out of M1A. Dropping the pain out of a Palmetto State 20-inch uh, super semi-automatic enhanced trigger. The yeah. floated upper rail with the yep. heavy profile tapered barrel. Uh, I got Dude. the Smith Enterprises Vortex, a bipod. I got some Lancer mags, and I got a Mark IV sitting on top of it. Nice. Yes, Scout, I'm, setup, I'm not the sniper around here, but, uh, man, I fired that thing a couple times. Yeah. That's a good gun. That I'm thing a fan. slaps. It is, man. That thing slaps, dude. For, <laughs> slaps. For a sub-$1,000 rifle, that dude. is I – th- I think they're selling for eight ninety nine, which is PSA, PSA by far has the best bang for your buck. For sure, yeah. there there is no uh, comparison. That, like, I, did I have to tighten it up? Yeah, I, I had to tighten it up a little bit. Um, the handguard was a little loose when I picked it up, but that could be a shipping and handling thing, you know. Plus, they don't want to over torque it. Like, I torqued it the way I want it. Right. And right. I'm I'm assuming that uh, Palmetto just assumes, well, they're going to take the gun apart and replace everything on it anyway. So, well, that's like uh, <laughs> like that's like my dissipator. My dissipator. I had to adjust the gas block. You know, they don't ship those things with the gas block properly adjusted because they don't know what kind of ammo you're going to shoot. Correct. And and they you don't know. know how I was going to run my rail, you know. I, for all they know, exactly. I had a yeah. sitting on another gun, and I bought this gun for the trigger and the barrel. No. Um, the, right. the PSA bros know what they're doing. And yeah, they're they doing do. a damn fine job. So one of the guys is a um, the one of the instructors for the, for the class I went to last week is a uh, – competition shooter and Mm -hmm. he he came up to me afterwards and he's like what is that rifle and uh, and i was like this is a palmetto state that i've been working on for the better part of like a a year almost i guess and uh and he's like with a mark four on top and i'm like yes sir tmr not uh mill dot and he's like he's like dude that thing's pretty good and uh and i was like yeah it like like you said that one podcast uh probably four months ago, there's diminishing returns on your investment. And like, if you're going to shoot in a 15 mile an hour, full value wind, when it's 30 degrees out on top of a mountain in PA or West Virginia or New York or fucking 
Wyoming or Montana, Colorado, Utah. It right. like right. if okay, so you know, one gun shoots a half or a one and a half, the palmetto, right? Okay, oh god, it shoots uh ten or fifteen inches at a thousand. Oh my god, oh Jesus, what a piece of junk, right? Okay, so you're gonna drop four times the amount of money, five times the amount of money, six times if you buy the most expensive scope money can buy, too. So you buy the most expensive AR and the most expensive scope, right? Okay, now you're out like eight, nine grand, right? Uh, how can it shoot better than 10 inches at a thousand? Like, can you shoot better than 10 inches at a thousand? Like, you kind of need to hit the field and, and like, don't tell me, don't tell me what the mechanical accuracy is. Show me what you can do, you know? So real quick yeah. to jump in. This is also a teaching moment. Um, so what you guys just heard is a marksman's take on things, right? So I've been to the long range shooting range with Johnny. Um, and he stated, he'll back me up. I'm naturally a pretty decent shot, right? Um, I just kind of have a knack for it. However, I don't have the long range experience to know all the technical terminology and I don't have the time on the trigger. So when you're building a team, you need a guy like Johnny that regularly goes to the long range, uh, the, yeah, the, the long distance shooting range. He has the dope book. Uh, he has the, the rifle and the ammo for it. Right. So like, um, and Scout, you can attest to this. I brought my my rifle to the um, SIG and Exploitation course. I have an AR with a collapsible uh, M4 collapsible buttstock and the dissipator upper, right? I have the machine gun bolt carrier group. Like, everything's PSA. It's toolcraft. You know, basic run-of-the-mill. I have the uh, primary arms, ACSS, one to six, illuminated optic. So I can do a lot of things with that, but I'm the SIGINT guy, right? right. I'm not, I'm not yeah. a designated trigger guy right? because my background is in SIGINT. I've taken CQB training. I've taken, uh, I've taken machine gunner training. I, I've taken a lot of courses over my seven years in the army. However, Johnny is an 11 Bravo prior 82nd airborne paratrooper. Uh, you know, he was in a very prestigious unit, uh, both active and in, in his guard time. He was in very, very good units and he's been trained specifically by some bad dudes. Yeah. I've had a couple like, you know, I've had some Rangers, uh, that have taught me some stuff and to my time overseas, I got to meet a lot of cool guys that taught me a lot of cool stuff, but I'm not, I don't have the years of experience. Um, so when you're trying to build your team, you really want to try to find guys like Johnny and scout like you, um, Mac medic, like think of the AP writers and that's the team that you want. And I mean, realistically, who writes like five, six guys, maybe seven, right. eight, if you include right. the guest writers, um, yep. the actual guys yeah. that publish, that's the team you want, right? You want a sniper, you want a paratrooper, you want a medic, you want a SIGINT guy or, well, 
Intel guy in general, but SIGIN specifically for partisanship. Um, yeah. Yeah, you can so. do both at the same time. Signal, signals and in Intel. Like if I if I was handed a bunch of Intel, I have some ideas on how to exploit it, just based on what I've learned from others and certain types of um, like uh, the in, well, there's the intelligence counterintelligence loop. You can't have one without the other. But right. uh, but you know specifically, like if I found a pile of intel. I'm not sure I'd know how to exploit it to its fullest potential because a lot of that well, stuff, you, you, you hold those cards tight to the chest. And I've job, never really been in that world, ever. My job is to translate it into paratrooper language. Yeah. So that's why you need the intel guy. And um, I can't stay up for 12 hours and then analyze all that and then go up, up for another 24 hours to run around the woods and then make good decisions. Like you're going to make stupid decisions. If you do that caffeine and, uh, mild amphetamines. (laughs) So yeah, with all that, I want to, I want to spit out my, my favorite Christmas memory while we got. got Oh man. I'm excited. Yeah. No, no, we we get a little, we get a little off track. It's all good, man. Because I mean, what y'all are putting out is gold. That's you're exactly right. Um, but favorite Christmas memory, uh, really, I've got two that are that are tied that I want to point both of them out. Um, my second tour in Iraq uh, had a, a uh, care package from home that was, uh, was a big can of Virginia peanuts, and so uh, you know, folks in the Mid Atlantic, you know, we we know about Virginia peanuts around the holidays. You get the big can of Virginia peanuts, right there. You know, they're, they're these huge peanuts. They're salted. They're, they're delicious. And I had this fresh can of Virginia peanuts. And I'd put them up in the truck. And um, we had went out to, it was just before Christmas, uh, like, like a day or two before Christmas Eve. It might have actually been on Christmas Eve. I don't remember. Um, but we, we'd went out somewhere, that, you know, the, the poor side of Samara, uh, which is all Sunni over there. And, um, there was this, there was this lady with her, her son and her son was, um, he may have had down syndrome. I don't remember. He, he just, you could tell that, that, um, you know, that there was some developmental issues that were going on with him and, uh, they didn't have a father, the father, there, there was no father in the picture. Um, you know, have no idea what the story was, but they're just standing out there. And, um, you know, this little kid is, he's just standing there looking at, you know, big Americans and and their big trucks, you know, and, and, uh, stopped the vehicle and I grabbed that can of peanuts, handed it to him. And, you know, like them looking back at us, it was like, you couldn't have given that kid a brick of gold and he would have been happier. And that was, that, that was just something special. Uh, it, it was just something special and that, that I would say probably, uh, probably right up there. And then Afghanistan, um, good, good story from Afghanistan, um, had a huge care package, uh, the, the absolute love of my life. Uh, you know, the, the wonderful woman who, who has put up with me for a long time now, 
um, had sent out this huge care package. I mean, it was, uh, you know, those big Lowe's boxes that you can get, like the huge packing boxes. Well, she had put all of this stuff in there. A lot of it was homemade, uh, you know, ho homemade snacks and uh, junk food and, you know, all like Buckeyes and um, peanut butter crackers. It was dipped in all this chocolate and like all this stuff. And, um, you know, she made enough for our entire detachment. And uh, my father-in-law, who's a Desert Storm vet, had sent out, uh, he was a tanker in Desert Storm uh, and, and had been part of the liberation of Kuwait and then uh, pushing in uh, north into Iraq. And uh, he had sent in that package all of this summer sausage, like like high-end summer sausage um he had the 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 little rye bread like all of this stuff and what it was was he was sending that because they got all of that as he was coming out of iraq from desert storm and he wrote a, a very personal letter in there saying you know like how much that package had meant to him and he was passing it on and uh and it was and, and so for our whole detachment we had this Christmas feast of nothing but junk food. And, you know, here you, you got these dudes who were like counting every calorie and, you know, seeing how much weight we can lift and how fast we can run. And everybody's trying to be bigger, stronger, faster. Right. You know, and here we are, we're eating all this nasty sugar and like all this homemade candy and all this junk food and like, um, but it was, it, it, it was just, it was really something special. And, uh, it, it was a really good time and it's something that I always look back. I had a lot of really good times in Afghanistan and, uh, I always look back at that time. I was like, man, you know, like there were some crummy aspects to it, but that was a hell of a lot of fun. And, uh, that was, that was a damn good Christmas memory. And, uh, I've got a lot of other great Christmas memories. I've been a blessed man in that regard. But uh, those were the most important. So coming up on two hours, uh, two hours, this show has absolutely blown by. And of course, we got Patriot Man coming in right at the end. He has been doing uh, charity work uh, for the less fortunate. And I am going to invite you in, brother, just to close out the show. Oh, and uh, well. You, you you were there. You're not there now. That's all right. Um, anyhow, folks, have a wonderful Christmas. Have a very Merry Christmas. Spend it with your families. Enjoy the time that you have with them. No matter what, enjoy the time that you have with them. And do good. God bless. And we'll be talking to you again very, very soon. From all of us to you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas!